Stephanie Martinez Rivera, and you are listening to the Joy Found Here podcast. I am obsessed with reminding my fellow mamas, queens, badass babes, ladies and girls that perfection is just a word, not a lifestyle. Multitasking is overrated. Comparison is a theft of happiness. And yes, you can put yourself first. Oh, and by the way, for optimum results, you should. I'm a New York girl from a small town, part-time badass, proud mama bear times three. I've seen 60 full turns of the sun. I've learned the importance of how kindness begins with you and your self-talk. Join us each week as we help you navigate both the messy and the magical season of this crazy ride called life. Real stories that remind us to reclaim your power. The sun does come out after the shitstorm. A good cry can be cleansing and... We really don't know who sits on top of the mountain of judgment. Sit back, plug in, fill up your cup. This is your time. Remember, you've always had the power. Welcome to Joy Found Here. Well, hello, and welcome to our second episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. Thank you for taking the time today and also for your patience in this very interesting podcast journey. I'm your host, Stephanie Martinez Rivera, and today we're talking with a very special person in my life. Having just turned 60, I had the honor to celebrate last weekend an amazing 48 hours with so many groups of family and friends who have been keepers in my life. I first met Jen 13 years ago when I was 47. We were at a positive energy group that was originally scheduled as a six or eight week course, breaking down the lessons and messages, The Secret by Rhonda Byrne. The video had just been released along with the book. Everyone, including Oprah, was talking about it. It was a revelation for me at the time in my life where I knew I lost my identity, always being someone's mom, didn't have a first name, nor did I feel at the time a place or have a direction in my life. I was also at a place where I thought I was too old to make new friends and certainly didn't need any more. As you know, I was wrong. The positive energy course turned into a 12-year voyage, similar to the Gilligan Island three-hour tour. I was surrounded by a dozen like-minded, powerful women, although many of us didn't know what our power was at the time, nor how life-changing our time together would be. Our friendship has been one of shared spirituality our quest for more and better, while reminding ourselves that we are deserving of all that is good. Sometimes to get the good, you have to sink in and walk slowly through the shit that life can throw your way. She is one of the most powerful warriors I know, an example of pure love and, of course, pure joy, and I am pleased to welcome Jen Baldi. That's so sweet. Thank you, my friend. You are so welcome. That. So I, I'm a little serious. <laughs> <laughs> overwhelmed That's by what... emotion. Well, joy. it's um, tears of joy. Tears of joy. I've I've done a few of them, but most recently, or as I just keep saying, happy tears. I knew you would be my first guest when we first thought about doing this and I'm just in awe of the way you go through life. Oh, thank you. 
So I usually always start with, uh, tell us about you. How would you like to begin? Well, okay. It's going to slowly move into who I am and about me. But when you asked me to do this podcast, I found this quote in my notes. I just happened upon it. And it's, sometimes your joy can be the source of your smile. Sometimes your smile can be the source of your joy. And this quote just stuck with me and I loved it. It felt like it resonated with me. So all day, one day when I heard this, no matter what happened, whether I was talk, taking a walk, driving in my car, walking down the grocery aisle, I kind of forced a smile. <laughs> I can't tell you how much joy it brought me. By the end of the day, I was giggling when I smiled. And I think it was because, you know, one, I found it so enjoyable. And I realized that every time I did it, I felt a little closer to God, if that makes any sense, as if, you know, God was smiling through me. Then I started thinking a little bit more and I was like, wow, you can control your smile. Nobody really thinks about controlling their smile. You know, it just kind of happens naturally. But even forcing a smile makes you feel good. I mean, you could just try it. It just really does. Truly, truly. It, right? It, yeah, even when you talk on the phone or when you're speaking, yes, they hear a smile always, regardless, even if, you know, you want to hang up and be like, oh my God, I can't believe, oh, you know, the what. but when you always start with a smile, people hear it. Yeah. You know, it, it communicates so much. Mm -hmm. And not only like, was I smiling because I had my mask on, I was smiling in the grocery store, <laughs> but people could see my, in my eyes, in the eyes. smiling. Yeah. So it's all nonverbal, but it's, it says so much. So when I realized I can control my smile, you know, I, I'm in this big, like, I need to control stage of my life. You know, I've Not been learning through all of my trials and tribulations. So I've been trying to control everything. And because I felt like so much was out of my control, this way of dealing with life was exhausting, you know, trying to control everything. And then finding the wisdom to know what is in control was and still is a guiding force in my joy and happiness which leads me to the serenity prayer, which is God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. I just had it here. I always forget it. I cannot, yeah, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. So my journey over the past 10 years had a lot of ups and downs, as you know. And I felt like I would been through so many changes and loss. So the divorce was the loss of my best friend you know, who I thought was my best friend, uh, the loss, then we lost our house, the loss of our house. And then finally, I felt like I was losing my identity a little bit. Like, you know, mm. who was I? I'm not Jen who lives on 15 Stewart Lane. I'm not Jen who's a wife, you know, and I was like, yeah, I'm still a mother. But, you know, I realized that all these things had been like ripped away from me, or I thought or felt like they were. And that was painful. And in hindsight, it's what brought me to find out so much more about myself. When we say I'm a mother, sister, friend, wife, they're nouns. They're not permanent. You know, we look at it as a permanent thing, but you can lose these titles with death. You know, you, yeah. you're not a mother, you know, when you lose a child anymore. I mean, yes, you'll always be a mother spiritually, but mm -hmm. the actual action and, you know, taking care of is kind of gone. Right. The person, right. And I found so much comfort in identifying with I am. Like, mm. I've I've read a few books on the, the word and the phrase I am and I realized that when I did the smiling exercise that I was doing what I was doing was that I was saying I am, which is my reminder of my connection with God. And this is permanent and there is so much comfort in knowing this, right? Like that is permanent. Knowing that I am and God is 
you know, they are waiting to like help me and work through me. I just, it's so much comfort. So since this epiphany, I have brought much abundance into my life and my relationships, my family, with my family, friends, my love life and rekindling my love for tennis, taking care of my body and in my career. And so even like specifically my career, I feel like there's so many different avenues opening up for me, whether it's private, whether it's groups, whether it's consulting and the path has just opened up and people want to help me with my website. And it's it's so me. crazy. Yeah. Of, you know, as we sit there, go back to when the rug was pulled out from under you and your life as you knew it and your family was getting redefined right before your eyes. It's never fun. I can't even imagine what you were going through, but I saw you soldier your way through. Now, not every day. Not every day did you lower your shoulder and plow through and you you really gave yourself time and grace and time just to figure out the next move. It was new for everybody. What you, you know, you came out on the other side, like watch out. It is. Yeah. And it's just, it's still, it's a journey. It's just, it's developing into what more of what I want, where I kind of felt like life was like controlling what I was doing. Now I feel like I'm a little, it was a little easy. Of, yeah. Of what I want to do. And it's just about thinking about what I want to do and not what I didn't want happening or don't want to see. It's always, always what I do. want. To see. And when you think about all the things that you want to do and catch everybody up as far as what you, your career, yeah, so I'm a speech-language pathologist and special ed teacher for infants and toddlers with special needs. And you're also an entrepreneur and a business owner. Yes, I created a tool kit and process for the work that I do. His name is Milo Bear. Milo Bear. Yes, milo-bear.com. This is new website. He has a new home. Yes, Yay. and it's really about communication. And, you know, there was a time where I had an angel reading and she kept saying, communicate to love and love to communicate, communicate to love and love to communicate. She kept saying it over and over. And I was like, she goes, does this make sense to you? And I said, well, I guess so, because, you know, that's my, my major's communication. I do this for a living. And, you know, whether it's specific goals for these little infants and toddlers, whether it's speech, language, feeding, behavior, depending on what their disabilities are. It really comes down to me working with the family as a whole Correct. and helping them to communicate better. And, you know, people say, well, how many words does he have? Or, you know, is he speaking? And, and it's really not about that. It's about, you know, learning to read the nonverbal cues, like mm. we were saying about the smile. It's about, you know, understanding eye contact and turn taking and, and knowing what's expected and what you deem as communication might be a little different from what your toddler or, you know, infant is, is thinking communication is about. And it doesn't have to look like what we think it needs to look like. Mm. We have to, you know, I tell parents like patience, when you talked about patience earlier, patience is what you have to start with when you start therapy. You know, what's so funny when I first had Marissa, my oldest, she didn't speak or barely spoke, I would say, until she was about two years old. And I had a lot of friends definitely were, they were very vocal and concerned that she should be having so many words by, by this milestone or that milestone. But, you know, as a first time mother, 
And I was just like, you know, she's going to, when she starts talking, she's not going to shut up. So I wasn't in that much of a hurry, nor, but again, that's it. It just, you know what you know, or you, or you learn once you, once you're there. I didn't know, and I didn't know any better. I probably, you know, could have maybe if she was differing in birth order that I had something to compare to. Right, right, because she was your first. But I was just like, eh, I think she's going to talk eventually. But if she did, she, you know, I, I probably would have taken some action. But I had one friend who had a, a delay in her infant, and they were a couple of months apart, and Marissa was older, so she was receiving therapy. And so she she was the one who was, like, very on top of, you know, this is what they should be doing by now. And I'm like, okay. Did you get her therapy? Did you end up? She, uh, I didn't, no, I, I, oh, okay. just, she started talking right. and she right. hasn't shut up Okay. 35 That's... years later. So it's... so you used your gut instinct <laughs> yeah. rather than, you know, I, I know people and parents will say this, whether it's the grandparent or a friend or, you know, oh, you know, it's too extremes. You should have them evaluated. And then the grandparents saying, oh, well, so-and-so didn't talk till he was three or four years old, you know, and they had these extremes and. Right. You know, a parent knows their kid. They know yeah. in at their the end heart, of the day. You know, are is she communicating with me? Is she getting her needs met? Is she, you know, telling me she's dirty? Is she telling me she's hungry? Is she telling me, you know, all the things that are necessary mm-hmm. for a toddler to express? And then when they're ready to express what they're thinking and feeling, right. then they'll start talking. But we want to push that too. Fast. It's very interesting that it, you know, there's always so many coaches and people that just have opinions <laughs> and want to be very, very vocal it could about. Be all well and good, well intended, you know, and meaning, you know, mm-hmm. well meaning and, and all well of that. Intended. And you just have to be a strong person in knowing, you know, you who you are and who your children are. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can't hurt to get them evaluated. Sure. And if it, if it turns out that they need help, great. If they don't, then six months later, they get reevaluated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what they need. And so, and, and with Milo, getting back to Milo, what we ended up doing is finding out that kids are showing their strengths at this age, mm. that they're at this very young age. Some of us adults don't find out what our strengths are until so true you know, into our 50, 40s, 50s or whatever. Or realize it. You kind of know, like, you know, I love, I learn better when the music is blaring in the background or if I'm sitting outside, right. you know, the different kind of learning that, yeah, you know, I, wish, I wish I would learner If you want to learn outside in nature, through nature, if you want to learn through reading or if you're a math learner and you love numbers or whatever that is. And fortunately in school, because of all the test taking that they make you do, they're only going to show what your weaknesses are. They, they really overlook your strengths. They don't want to see what your strengths are. They want to see where you're falling apart. And unfortunately for kids, when you are told that something's wrong, that something should be changed hmm. you internalize it and you feel like there's something well wrong it's a with tattoo you. and yeah, words so can instead, be tattoos why yeah. not like at this young age when I come into these homes and I'm in the family and I'm seeing the dynamics instead of talking about all of the things that the evaluation said was wrong I start just focusing on all the things that are right and the minute I start doing that the parent starts to notice oh yeah he is really good at that or I didn't know why he was walking around with all that stuff all day long hoarding it it looked like he was being obsessive compulsive he was actually trying to figure out scientifically how many things he could hold he's problem solving you know Mm -hmm. they don't look at it that way so I help them switch that up. And when I do that, 
their behavior towards their children relaxes a little bit and their energy relaxes and then the child relaxes Correct. and then they want to please and then they want to show the parent what they can do and then they're not as avoidant. And so once the child has shown their strength and you can work that strength through to help them with the weaker areas, it's easy because they feel confident. You know, they have that confidence of what their strength is. And I think you can do that with adults too. So you're good at it. You're good at it, obviously, you know, with that's what you do every day. How does that fit into your, I'll say, how you deal with you on a daily basis when you have good times and the sun is shining and everything is just working out really, really well, but then you get a little hiccup or things don't go as planned. Yeah. Well, the reaction, those, those things do happen. I feel like, you know, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. The more positive I am, and like if I stay in that vibration, hmm. I find that I don't have too many hiccups. And maybe if, hmm. maybe I do, but I'm not noticing them as Correct. hiccups. I'm noticing them as like, oh, I need to go this way. Oh, uh, that's that way. Oh I, oh, I need to go this way. And so, I think that so not not roadblocks or brick walls or detours, just a simple the bend in the road. Right, right. Believe me, I, I still I still like will curse out the person at, that cuts me off. You're normal, but then I realize right away, like mm. gosh, that person might be rushing to an emergency, or maybe they had a really bad day, or you know, I'm able to then like the duck with the water off its you know its wings, like it's gone, and I'm moving on. Like I don't keep it with me. I'm not sticking with that nasty energy, you know, and I feel like that has helped me transition through life and the communicate to love and love to communicate sounds all good when I'm talking to a parent and their child, but when I'm dealing how with do, my I was, own, yeah, how do you apply? I mean, that's why I'm like, child. that's such a great line. You know, it's a little different, you know, cause there's, how do I put this? When you're dealing with your own say daughter or son, you all know what buttons to push. Of and course. so you kind of fall into a pattern of if I say it this way. Yes. Like, okay. And am I, I the parent to this adult child and I want them to be independent. I have to step back and not react. And it was my first instinct to always react. And I wanted them to see my emotion because I wanted them to feel what I was feeling. But then I realized it has nothing to do with that. Right. You know, right. it has everything to do with, all right, well, what is the goal that we're trying to attain here in this conversation? You know, you want this. I want that. Okay, let's see if we can meet halfway. It's not about who's right or wrong. It's about how we're all going to get along together. So you're also, and you bring up the point of the age of the children, and they'll always be children. It's easy to say, or they'll always be kids, mm -hmm. but you've got the first almost adulting college and the second one heading that Going direction. Into the senior year of high yeah. school. Yeah. It's an interesting transition for everybody. How are you handling that? I feel like <laughs> I have to be more cognizant of what their needs are before. I don't know how to explain this, but they're not in my business like they were when they were younger. Like mm -hmm. they're, they, they want their own time and right. their own space. So I allow that. But then like when you come home from college and now all of a sudden, oh, you need dinner? Me to make you dinner every <laughs> night? You know, I'm like... Ah. <laughs> Wait a minute, don't you make your own dinner when yeah. you're in school? Like, right. I, I have to, we have to like kind of create new boundaries and rules 
each time she comes back. It's you know? it's all very different, and there's a different energy when they come home to visit. I don't know what your feeling is on laundry, but I was dead hard. It was the biggest pet peeve, and I said no one was allowed to bring home dirty laundry. You have either you know a laundry plan, you have a washer in your place. Like there's no reason not to wash your clothes, and there's no reason to do it here because I'm not going to do it for you. And every once in a while I'd hear like, you know, there'd be a small backpack and all of a sudden when I hear the washing machine go off and they know, they see I noticed it and they're like, oh, it's just a small load. Don't worry. I'm like, I'm not worried because I'm not, I'm not doing I'm that. Not doing it. <laughs> yes. Part of your job. They knew. Well, yeah. We taught you. Like, laundry's not so much. She does her laundry and he kind of does his when he needs it. You know, if he needs something bad enough. It's the amount of clothing. Oh, oh, wow. So I said to her, we have this limited space and you have, are buying a lot of new clothes. And so we need to either get rid of this. Or, she needs to Marie know. Kondo. Yeah, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she needs to bless I it and know. find joy. <laughs> I know. And roll it up really tiny. <laughs> can't even see what it is. Um, <laughs> No, I know. I do enjoy it. I've done that before and I've, I've kept my drawers. In, I keep in my that, joy also in, in, in my clothing space. It is. But um, yeah, you know, what they do in their life and their routines, you know, yes, it comes back to having to coexist together and understanding. And, you know, with me too, it's like having a new person in my life too is hard because it's not like a mom and a dad. It's like this other person that they have to get used to. Or And do know. you think that that helps them to see you as a person, as a woman who, you know, doesn't want to be alone and wants and enjoys the company of others? I'll speak from my mother died and she was 52. My father was 52. He met someone and he remarried when he was 55. At this point, 26, 27. I had 28 because I had two kids. And at first it was weird because he was, you know, because I looked at him as, well, that's my father. That's my dad. And, you know, but 30 something years later, he's still a person. You know, it starts with the who am I? And, 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 you know, as you're no longer a wife, but you're still a person, you're still a woman, you're still someone that we all want love. We all want company. We all, we do. So I think, you know, it's interesting that they'll see you in that different light. Yeah. Yeah. Were you on the call? We have a Zoom call where everybody was talking about who they, what they were doing that weekend. And our friend Kathy said, oh, I finally got to see my dad and his Wendy. Oh, and and his. (laughs) And so. And he's he's in his 80s. Oh, and I got to see my dad and his Wendy. Like it wasn't his Right. Wife's name wasn't Wendy, but she just thought it was cute, you know. Yeah. And then we came around to me, and I was like, "I am Wendy," <laughs> and you know what I mean. Like, I am that man's other correct, you know, girlfriend. And whatever. he and he is. So Patrick and I right. were talking about it, and I said, you know, we could coin the phrase Wendy, you know, Dad's right. Wendy or whatever. I said, but we need a man's name to talk about Peter. who you are, because you know, when you're in your fifties and you say, "Oh, my boyfriend," it almost sounds weird. Like I don't know, it like. 
Well, it doesn't have. I I understand. I know some people interpret. I, I'm fine with it. The 20 year olds don't even want to use, you know, boyfriend, boyfriend. and yet yeah. it's the only way that we acknowledge. It just it. seems old fashioned. I don't know. Like it, it seems like something <laughs> like from Happy Days. You know, I don't know. And so we were, we were joking about it, but it's also about identity, right? Yeah. It's about like, oh, am I identifying? Who as are you with him? Significant other, and he, you know, is identifying me as his. We don't have necessarily a name for that, like you know, but. If we did, the guy I like to hang with, (laughs) yeah, you know, and and it's fine. And I think I probably think about it too much. I think I made too big of a deal and I just need to let it go because my kids really just care if I'm happy. At the end, at the end of the day, they they really do. And they see who I am when I'm happy and they see who I am when I'm not happy. And if they associate me being with Patrick and him, you know, being part of our family and my happiness, then they want me to be happy there accepting him. And I find that that's really how it all unfolds. You know, if I was like always uncertain about bringing him around, they would feel uncertain. Yeah. So I just learned to be more comfortable with the whole idea of, yeah, this is not dad, but you know, it's somebody who cares about me. And as long as you're okay with that, then you know, if they, I think my kids are, I don't, know what, I don't want to say mature enough, but yeah, maybe they're resilient to understand that, mm-hmm. you know, that that's what it is. And, and um, they've been through so much themselves that, you know, they impress me with what they're able to understand and how they're able to switch, you know, and, and, uh, and they see, you know, some families that are together that, you know, stayed together for a long time that are still very unhappy. unhappy. And they've seen friends whose parents have stayed together and they are happy. And then they've seen friends whose parents are divorced and are unhappy and who are divorced and happy. So I think there's like enough for them to understand, engage, like, okay, this isn't like a specific it's not, problem that everything yeah. only we have to no, deal with. This it's never, like, it's, and life isn't one and done. We all want, you know, it's, it's a great, it's the fairy tale in essence, but it's life. Right. And, and it's not good or bad. It's like, not good like or even bad. Even with the children that I treat. So like having a delay it's not bad and good, like, because bad that they have a delay and good that we're working on. It's just, it is, it just is. And divorce isn't good or bad. It is. It just is. It's it's something that some people have to go through and, you know, it's not ideal, but at the same time, like, I don't think anything in life is like ideal. And it really is. And and I know I say it a lot as far as, you know, just so part of the journey and for whatever reason, I always remind you, you know, not that if you would have said to me when we first met, like, oh, well, you know, your life is good now, but hey, go through, go through some shit. Yeah. Because you're going to come out that much better and that much stronger. I would have never, you know, a wanted it, but just amazing. The Phoenix that has emerged, you know, and isn't that the great part? And the fact that even through all of it, like you, joy has always been a big part of your life. Like you, you look for joy. Jen Joy was <laughs> my superhero Jen. name. Jen joy. Exactly. Jen Joy. And, and that was funny because when we, when I found the name for this podcast, that was the first thing I, I definitely oh, thought sorry. of. Yeah. And I'm like, I hope she doesn't mind that I'm stealing the joy, but it does work. Well, you know, what's funny is like the word joy, you know, like you, you don't hear or see it much unless you it's Christmas time, you know, like joy to the world. And, and like, yeah, but it's, you know, it's such a great word, yeah. you know, like joy. It's even probably things. better than love. It just seems like it's, you could just always find 
some joy in something and or deep joy as michelle oh well <laughs> yeah I have always, and then there is always you know it's interesting because you know like well she's like oh that's, i feel such deep joy for that and i'm like i want to feel deep joy you know, I, like, want and some I realize now different levels of you joy can feel yeah different levels of love different levels of joy but as long as they're on you're on that level some way shape it, or form. it says it's definitely a lot so since you work with communication and words, and I loved your quote that you started with, and it's it's really the power of words and either the order that you say them in or with me, the punctuation. You know, mm-hmm. I always will always listen to what someone has to say and they'll be like, well, we were going to, you know, I'm really happy. But then, and whenever I hear something like that, I'm like, just move the period. Can you just end it at, I was really happy? Because that's such a different statement mm. than I was really happy, but then I, and then it, you know, means something else. And so let's go back to abundance. How does abundance represent itself? In so many ways. So just the feeling of joy is abundant, right? Mm-hmm. The feeling of love can be abundant. I can feel abundant in energy for the day. Like that makes me get up and want to work out some days, you know. There's so many things in life that you can be abundant in. And, and you know, like, of course, money is one of the things that everybody wants to be abundant in. But I really think that unless you have the idea and the knowing that you're abundant in all these other things, money is just going to bring more of that abundance right. to you. The you Because know. it's just more energy. Yeah, yeah. And so I think abundance, it fills me up. The word, like, I can feel, even just talking about it, I feel like inside, like, generating some energy and building up abundance. And I, you know, you know, we like that 40-day abundance plan and we mm-hmm. can read books like that and that helps me with my relationship to God. And I, you know, it's funny. I remember saying this to Beth in the beginning when we first started our group that I almost was scared to use the word God. Yeah, and you might've been the first person to say it because I know in the group that she made a very big effort to remain neutral. Yes. And we universe, universe, we were universe is yes, what we or were. spirit or mm-hmm. energy, mm-hmm. which all is God to me, you know, and I know religion messes that up for a lot of people and still has some probably negative issues from, you know, my own past only because of what I've created, not because of what anybody's taught me. It's how I internalized it Mm -hmm. and whether it's the guilt or this, that, and the other thing, but I could switch it like this. Now I see it and recognize it and know the difference. So God is just all abundant, right? Mm -hmm. So anything that is related to God is abundance right? and never a lack of anything. Ever, ever. It's like, and so that prosperity plan was one, another thing. And I continue to do it. So the prosperity plan. So what is it? The 40 day, the name of the book is the 40 day prosperity. Um, 40 day abundance. Oh, the 40 day abundant book, abundance book by John Randall. Randall yeah, we'll um, put that in the show notes. I'll yeah, definitely I mean, get that it's, link. It's something, you know, every 10 days you go, you, for 10 days you meditate on these phrases and it brings you to the I am, like that I mm-hmm. explained and, and what that means to me. And I think it means something different to everybody. So everybody's going to interpret it a little bit differently. But I think the end result is just knowing that as long as you stay on that 
vibration, that good vibration, you're allowing God in and you're allowing God to work through you and you're not cutting off anything. The minute you start to like doubt, you're cutting off your, your energy and your and, flow. And do you think doubt is also trying to control? Yeah. They're one and the same. I think, I think that's part of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you want to control, I mean, the things you don't you want to leave the room you for error control, here. But, yeah. You control them because that's action. Yeah. You know, we're supposed to be acting on, you know, you wanted to control what direction your podcast went. So you acted on it, you know, and you were able to control because you were using God to work with you. The minute you decide that, oh my God, I have to do this all myself. Well, you just cut yourself off. <laughs> you know what I mean? If well, feeling, and there you know, were and there were more than minutes. Believe me, when yeah. when I was just when you just when you forget, it's right. it's well, such a reaction. You were asking about those moments, right? So yeah. before you, it said, what happens? Yeah. When, so now we know, like, okay, yeah, you could be deep in something and lose it all, and mm-hmm. you're like, oh my gosh, all that work I just did. You know, somebody did a podcast. I did a podcast with someone a few weeks ago, and at the end, she was like. I think I just lost it. I think I oh, just lost no. the whole thing that we did. And I was like, I'm like, really? <laughs> at, first, at first I was like, oh my gosh, that was a lot of time. I just spent talking to you that I'm never getting back. And I was like, you know what? That's okay. Because this was good practice for me. And I, and it really was fun talking to you. And I just let it go. And, you know, day two later, she's like, I found it. You know, there you go. And so hopefully I press record. Yeah, you hopefully can, you can go down that rabbit hole, oh, yeah, that, yeah. you know, and yeah. you can make it that it's, the worst thing ever but then you realize well maybe there's something to this maybe I'm not seeing what this really is and so step back walk away from it for a minute yeah. and then or meditate if you even like crazy enough to meditate and you'll figure it out you know and you'll, your mind calms your whole body calms your energy changes and shifts and all, all, all of a sudden something better is in its, in its place you know yeah. and that's what usually that. And that's what usually does appear when you do have the roadblock or or brick wall. And even though, in and in my case, I can be very stubborn and be, nope, I'm going through it. I'll scale it. I'll I'll blow it up. It's it's in my way. I it's it's in my way right. until I realize, huh, it was there for a reason, mm-hmm. and there was the answer. Yeah, and then it it was always there. It's amazing, right? But you kind of have to go through it. We're human. Like, we we have all these different feelings for a reason. Mm-hmm. And that's our gauge, right? That's how we know if we're going off course or if it feels good, then it's right. If it starts to feel a little in, you know, mm. then you got to stop and think about, all right, is this the direction I want to go in? Right. Your gut is truly powerful. Yeah. Well, feeling good is definitely what it is all about Yes. at the end of the day. So where can everyone find you or your website and find out more about you? The new website is milo, M-I-L-O, dash bear, B-E-A-R.com. And on that website is, of course, about Milo, but I'm also going to have just information and resources for parents of children with special needs, directions to go. I'll be doing some consultation, some private therapy, and how to get steps to get evaluated through your district and through your state and county. So abundance of information. Abundant information. Well, thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you, thank you my for friend. Having me. This is a lot and of fun. This has been a blast. I've been thinking about you and doing this for a while. And I'm so appreciative to everybody listening. And if you like what you heard, please, please, it's time to subscribe, rate, and review. Really would appreciate any feedback, any ideas, any comments. Go to joyfoundhere.com. And until next week, be kind. We're all doing the best that we can. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, if you haven't already done so, subscribe, rate and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to head over to joyfoundhere.com for any questions, comments and feedback. Until next week, keep your head up and your crown straight. You've got this.